episode 13. Hello and welcome to Slash Dupe, the mysterious movie pitching podcast with a twist. Each member of today's podcast has been given the same movie or TV title, some time to repair, and has come to the table to pitch their own unique take on that title. We'll be hearing two pitches before the break and one afterwards. After the break, we'll be hearing a special pitch from the dupe. The dupe is the one person at the table who has not been given the title in advance and will have to improvise their idea at the end of the show following everybody else's. I'm here with Dan, Ryan and Christine for our first episode back after the new year uh, and after Christmas and the first episode after our latest Adjudicator episode. How was everybody's Christmases and New Year's? Considering that we're recording this in December. Um, Quiet. Wait, 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 oh, wait, when, when are we really recording this? November, this Jesus. Is being... <laughs> Considering that we're recording this at the tail end of November. It's been a great Christmas, full of lots of fun and seeing as many family as I was allowed to during whatever rules I was allowed to see them. <laughs> yes, mm. exactly. For every present I sent turned up on time and every yep. recipient mm. loved that present and sent me a great big uh, message Pre- of joy. Yes. And every, and every present I sent had a small bottle of sanitizer on top of it so that you could use that before you open the present to just minimise anything that went wrong. <laughs> that's, a, that's a genuinely great idea. And if I don't get that for Christmas, I'll be To be annoyed. honest, guys, thank you in advance for the amazing PS5 that I got for Christmas. Because I can't, like, yeah, I can't believe it that you got me a PS5 as well. It's like, we should have just kept I know, them. We just, I don't we know why we just got each other PS5s. Which, it I happens, guess, right? you're just generous, aren't you, Dan? I guess that's just... I am exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we're getting one PS4 for his birthday and suddenly you think Swear made of money. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't get over that, by the way. It still makes me tear up a little bit. <laughs> We basically just wanted you to play with us online, and that was that was the, the cost the we absorbed the cost. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you're never going to do it. <laughs> and you had an Xbox, didn't you? You had an Xbox. I did. And you're like, that's not that's now, not good enough. I'm, I'm living my 16 year old's dream. I've got a I've got a Nintendo Switch, an mm-hmm. Xbox, and a PS4, and a PC that I play games mm-hmm. on. And now I'm a dad and have no time to play. Yeah, with it. Mm. <laughs> so classic. That's the hassle. So what are we expecting? <laughs> That's what are we expecting to get for Christmas? What, what are we after? I mean, I know that everybody listening to this when we listen to it in AOB, it's going to be released in the new year. Well, so everyone, everyone around, everyone around this table um, would have all got the same loving, laboured over present um, from me. And Interesting. So I'd like you all to say thank you for that right now. Thanks, thanks very much. Oh, thanks for that <laughs> present. Cheers, man. Yeah. Hand delivered to each one of your houses as well. <laughs> That's slightly <laughs> creepy. Just for, you know, because I don't know if you know where Christine lives. You've worked out your map. Yeah, I've got a full map. I've got it planned. Every single person, when I'm taking breaks, where I'm driving, everything. Oh, is this actually a thing? Is this actually true? Yeah. Oh. Like a Hermes driver. He's worked it all out. (laughs) I'm going to spend 19, I'm going to spend 19, no, not 19. I'm going to spend 11 and a half hours driving, split over two days. Right. That's somebody's job. but we'll like, edit in the piece where we're like an obituary for Ryan where he's fallen asleep. <laughs> yeah. An obituary. I thought it was just going to be like died of tiredness. No, but no, 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 no. He's drove, died in a car crash. I drove, I drove eight. When I was in America, I drove eight hours in one day to get from Salt Lake City to Reno. But granted, that was one highway. So, you know, it wasn't exactly. You can't go wrong, can tough. you? You're not going to have control and fall asleep. Like, sort Basically, of. yeah. And wake up when the rumble strips hit. All right, let's 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 get back into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so obviously we're all hoping you guys had a great Christmas and a great New Year. We know uh, it was under the... No one wants to talk about it anymore. 
Um, we know it was under the threat of a quarantine or a lockdown or isolation, but we hope that safely uh, you made you guys made the everyone at home made the the best of it. Um, so I just want to introduce. I mean, you've already heard from him first, but our dupe for today is Ryan, and we've had only one other dupe in the history of Slash Dupe that that hasn't been Ryan, and we're hoping to expand that. Um, with our next few episodes. What? Um, no, uh, hang on, I haven't agreed to that. <laughs> we I don't have guests. should have volunteered to be the Duke for this one, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, I know it's your crown, your mantle, Ryan. Dan, <laughs> you're, you're with us as well. Um, and uh, I want to say thanks for, um, for, for supporting your own idea in the last Adjudicator episode. So, yours. <laughs> I was so lucky. I, got it was good, it? I could actually pitch it properly. <laughs> so we... Um, so yeah, so so Dan's idea for um, for fence, uh, which he turned into an acronym, um, F E N C E, uh, the first English network for crime fighting education. 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 That was really impressively remembered, Sean. That was, that was good. I forgot the last one. I thought it was initiative. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm really proud of you, Dan. It was a really fantastic idea, and and people at home would have probably seen your acceptance video by now. So it'll be fairly. Um, so common knowledge that you've won, but I think the the how and the why is the most important part. It's the most interesting part to me. And the reason why we get a different adjudicator on um, each time um, and from a slightly different discipline within film is hopefully um, that you guys at home, you can learn a little bit more about the process and, and some different angles or aspects of what maybe goes into the decision-making of the behind-the-scenes of uh, film and, and TV productions. So uh, we had the Pearsons on. They're, they're good friends of yours, Dan, and I'm sure they didn't have anything to do with why they picked your idea. I'm sure it didn't. Or <laughs> the 50 quid I sent them. It's <laughs> yeah. fine. It's a um, so Christmas present. It's a Christmas present. Yeah, it was a write-off. It's a Christmas present. Um, <laughs> Rosie and James Pearson uh, of Pearson Casting are fantastic and really like and they're loveliest people in real life. But but we asked them to be um, to, to be re- to be really strict with their decisions and to because re- it was re- it's really hard to divine those six ideas into one. Um, so they really worked their ass off to, to do that and 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 like uh, we felt their energy and that was that was really good. I'm, I was really <laughs> happy to have them on. Um, and they sort of and coming from a casting perspective, they. Um, they, they brought um, a, a different uh, approach to each of the ideas. Um, so commiserations to all the other guests whose ideas were not selected. Um, but also, <laughs> I won. So, because um, it never happens. It never happens. I've got a, this is why it doesn't happen, because I'm such a sore winner. Well, it's 2021. You know, we're into the, the second half of season one of Slash Dupe, mm-hmm. you know, episode 13. The unlucky for some. Let's see how we can do it this. And then, you know, we've only got another six to the next adjudicator. So, you know, Dan, start sending out the invites now, seeing as the last two people have been from your network. And, <laughs> and maybe you'll win, you maybe win this one. Maybe you win a game. Yeah. We can trawl up from that. Well, so that, so that um, leads me deftly to introduce Christine, our guest today. Christine, you are the first uh, guest we have back uh, in 2021. You are the first guest that we have back after our Judicator episode. How are you feeling about setting the standard for this uh, quarter of the season? <laughs> I feel like the bar's been set high. I'm looking at my ideas going, um, what? There's no crime-fighting team in this. I'm never going to win. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm really excited. Um, uh, 2021. Oh my god, I I know this is a pre-record, so we're talking about 2021 from from the end of November. And I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, uh, the idea of me being in 2021 is just lovely. Anything Even being in 2021. You mean just the desire honestly, to skip 
deftly into 2021, you mean. Start afresh, as oh, it were. Hell yeah. Leave 2020 Absolutely. behind. And if yeah. I can do that with a bunch of friends around a table talking about movie pictures and ideas, that's all cool. <laughs> Let's do it. So will that, fa- will that factor into your um, your idea, you reckon? This need to to skip time the difficult parts of life how will that factor into <laughs> no, your idea today don't no, tell us no, no, what it is or tell us the title yet but do you think that will that your current mood feeling about 2020 will that feed in to your idea christine i think so there's definitely a bit of uh well no i don't want to i don't want to say anything to read it but it, i'll say yes <laughs> okay be my answer <laughs> all right well i'm looking forward to it and i think we've we've decided to go for you first haven't we so um so it won't be right now um but uh I think it's going to be you, and then we'll listen to Dan's idea, and then I'll, uh, and then the dupe will, will kick in, and then I will give a little bit uh, of an idea of why I came up with the title for this episode. Lovely. So, Sean, mm. what is a slash dupe? Ah, oh, well, I'm glad you asked, Christine. A slash dupe is a rough, early version of a film used in post-production. It's an unfinished foundation of what a finished film can become. And together on the Slash Dupe podcast, we hope to bring you at least that. I'm Sean, your peerless moderator, and at the end of the episode, I should be selecting a winning idea to go through to the next heat. So, today's title, the first title of uh, this new part of the season, I can reveal to everyone, including the dupe, is Standstill. That is Standstill. And we're going to begin with you, Christine. You've got uh, an idea for Standstill, haven't you? I do, yeah, and I've taken a slight liberty... (laughs) In that I've, uh, I've separated out the word. Is that all right? So it's stand and Of course still. it is. Yeah, I, no, I, it's, that's what I'm saying. I heard that was okay. So I'm like, I'm from, from, from listening to another episode where someone stuck punctuation in, I thought, oh, great. And all rules, all rules are off. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> so, um, so my idea uh, is, if it was the movie pitch, if I was trying to get some uh, um, movie executive who is in an elevator to, to be a bit more interested... I just mm-hmm. say to them, um, okay, so imagine uh, if you just went home um, one day and someone who lived in your household um, was just stood still in the corner. They wow. okay. seem to be able to hear you and they obviously want to speak, but they don't move. They're pleading, pleading with them doesn't work. Attempting to move them doesn't work. Um, but they, they, just, they just can't happen. And then you find out that that has happened in every home in the country that you live in. That's my movie pitch to the executive. <laughs> How does that That's work? great. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> log line. That is so good. Yeah, it's a great start. I know, right? And exactly what we need at the end of a tough year. It's like a horrific film about everybody, at least one person we love, being transfigured into some horrific... Hey, you asked me if 2020 had influenced <laughs> what I thought of, and that's definitely it. So I have frequently in my years, like, sung a, like a little tune and then pointed at someone to continue it, and I've just kept that position for, like, 20 minutes. And <laughs> it makes everyone, like, a rat, like, I'll just be standing there, like, in a pose waiting for someone to, like, do it or anything like that. And it... It, to some people it's hilarious to other people it's really creepy and so that sort of illicit feeling of like um someone turning there and someone in your house is frozen and you're like okay all right mate come on chill out now and then they just don't like don't blink like nothing it's really it's a really <laughs> creepy feeling so who do well, we follow who do we start with who do we 
Well, yeah. I, I kind of want to set it, or, or I think it would be better set. You know, the the idea came from those kind of thriller, um, highbrow kind of uh, movies that you mm-hmm. would often see someone like John Cusack or Gene Hackman in that kind of feel, rather than uh-huh. a horror. Like you know, so something like you know, early, early 2000s, late late 1990s kind of uh-huh. uh, um, sure. drama where everyone's in a suit. And I, uh, or, or like Independence Day, you know, when it's it's just like everyone's starting their the beginning day of their day or whatever, as normal they go off to work and whatever, um, and then uh, so that's the sort of feel of it to start with, um, and I think it should just I, I like the idea of it being around the turn of of the of the twenty first century because less technology was involved, there's less mm. communication. Um, and that idea that, you know, if something's happened, it's like, okay, well, then you pick up, you, you go to the phone that's on the wall and you, you pick it up and you might phone a loved one. They might not be in, you know, there's, so there's that kind of dynamic of, of mm. oh, who, who do I call? What do I phone? You know, and the, the, those very prim and proper, um, I feel like it's in America. I don't know why. Okay. So they always are, aren't they? So those thriller kind of films. So, um, you know, there's somebody very prim and proper in their very power, power, uh, um, suits, uh, mm-hmm. newscaster just kind of well you know talking about how in every every state they're having this problem <laughs> you know kind of yeah, going yeah. through through the through the motions of that and you you slowly find out that you've got lots of people watching television screens in in tv shops um on the street just going oh what's what's going on and you find out that it's in other countries around the world as well and that kind of growing sense of 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 uh discovery that I don't mm-hmm. think you necessarily get in the 2020s, you know, okay. which we've just started because it's January. Um, so, where you know, you can look up your phone and go, what's going on? And you or you get news alerts all the time and it ping, 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 text messages and stuff. And I, I think that would... Uh, um, yeah. I like the slow boil idea of it. Um, so is it relegated to just one per household to begin with and well, then it evolves see, to more or what happens? That was the idea I had. And then and I started to think about the mechanics of it and go, okay, well, how do you stop them just like not dropping dead of of, uh, um, of of starvation or anything like that. Um, or, you know, if, if you were just stood, if you were one of these people who was stood still, you know, mm. you surely you'd get tired and you'd fall down or, or something would happen. Um, so I was thinking, okay, well, maybe that uh, the, pe- the people who, who live with them might be able to guide them. But if they don't, if the person doesn't physically move anything themselves, you know, maybe they can be picked up and carried um, maybe the hospitals start and the army start to get out saline drips to home, um, mm-hmm. and then maybe that you know the only thing that they can do is they they occasionally seem to have moved their eyes um, and their breathing. That's pretty much it, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then there are different specialists and hospitals trying to work it all out, um, and you know th- those different specialists could be those kind of. Uh, um, those those kind of hooked names, those big names like like people like like John Cusack, um, or like people like um, Octavia Spencer would be amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she'd be like that. Yeah, she'd be great. Person. Yeah. Um, and then you know, I think I feel like if um, it could develop as well. So um, maybe they're trying to work out. Maybe there's one one person who's a, a, a doctor who's in the middle of nowhere who manages to who has a patient who is. Um, possibly in a wheelchair with you know, maybe like eye movement, speech recognition thing. Okay. And she seems to be. This is the. I think. I feel like there's a clue that comes in where that she she's got this speech recognition that she only moves. Everyone can only move their eyes every now and again, and so she moves to one letter at a time, seemingly at random, and starts to spell out a sentence, but really slowly. 
Um, and I, I thought it could be something really cryptic, like that says, he says no. And you're like, you know, well, what does that mean? And then maybe they get to the point where someone in a household who, 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 you know, that someone's been to, they, they die for some reason. Maybe they've got a heart attack or something like that. And then mm. another person in the house suddenly starts to act the same way. So everyone's like, what's going on? Mm. And they start thinking maybe it's some kind of disease, maybe it's something mm. like that. But I feel like in the way that Independence Day kind of goes into its aliens kind of idea, um, that maybe there's this kind of... Um, I got the idea from... You know, the, you know have you ever watched Jeepers, Jeepers, Creep, Jeepers Creepers? Yeah, Creepers? yeah, yeah, yeah. What a classic. A like, that film is <laughs> independently... A really good film for the first half. I was crapping myself in the in the cinema, just going, "There's this car, and it won't leave these people alone on the high street, and it on the on yeah, this road yeah. in the middle of nowhere." Um, and I was really, really scared until I found out what it was. <laughs> and then you know, you got this not spoiler alert. <laughs> and like, you know, it's this is this monster who's who's you know decided he's going to take people's arms and he wants this boy's eyes. You know, yeah, so yeah. I feel like in the in that in that way, there's there's this kind of um, this kind of spirit or something, and it's some kind of invasion where they 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 are they've picked someone in the household, and um, they are whispering in their ear not to move, and telling them about what will happen if they move, you know. Um, and then maybe Ooh. there's some kind of that's why I thought I was going a bit sci-fi here. Um, wow. And I think maybe... that's even worse. Like in a way, yeah. like if it's yeah. like this sort of if it's this idea that it's like um, like a sort of three percent sort of like everybody just like it suddenly happens and they don't know what it is. Yeah. But if you like, what well, what's what's like it's not a spectrometer, but whatever the thing people use to measure ghost signals with. Are you talking about Ghostbusters. <laughs> Oh, it's like oh it's it's um like an amateur ghost hunter is like, oh, I'm gonna bust out the spectrometer, maybe it's some sort Absolutely. of ghost. And then they find out it is, and it is like yeah. I don't know, somehow they manage to see it and it's this horrible thing that is whispering in their ear like constantly. So are they so are the yeah. people so we're on that, are the people intentionally not moving because they're being told yes. what would happen if they did move? Yes. That's the good twist. And That's I think, interesting. And I think and it and there's got to be the odd person who tries and then I don't know, something horrible happens. Like <laughs> and mm. I'm not a horror fan, so you take your imagination and you run with it. <laughs> but yeah. But I was thinking that that could be the whole thing. Like you have to stand still. And that's the title in there. Um and, and you know the idea of all these trying to people trying to find out what's wrong with it um, and what what's happening, and then literally like they they they've found that this girl can or this or this boy or whoever that's got this eye eye speech recognition uh, software, you know, they're like, oh maybe we can use that on other people, but you know maybe that maybe that there's you know I, I don't know there's all sorts of different ways it could go, and I'm actually so not sure of what the ending would be mm. <laughs> because so I got so fascinated with the detail. That- what happens to the people that get moved to take I think into the as hospital? As long as they don't move themselves, then that's that's why I think I I'm, okay. You know, and, and so they find so then the people find that they're not like stuck, stuck still. Because if someone tried to pick me up, I wouldn't, you know, try to try and maintain that rigidity. I think as long as they don't really... use their impulse Body. or their right, okay. their, it's not under their own impulse. I think God, I think. that'd be terrifying, yeah. wouldn't it? 
I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is the thing. Would you reveal and how much do you reveal? Because I, it's such a balance. Like I watched The Invisible Man recently, the Elizabeth Moss film. Fantastic. Similar sort of tone, I imagine, to this. It's, sort of, it's grounded in reality. It has a, has a leg in science yeah. fiction and horror. Um, it's a really good retelling of The Invisible Man story, but for, a sort of, for, for right now and, and dealing with sort of oppression in a relationship and, and mm. sort of the idea of being haunted by, by someone else. So what the reveals in that I think are done really well and they're really welcome and they, it's just the right amount. And then you have other horror films where as soon as the reveal, like you said, comes in, you switch off. You go, well, this is not only terrible, but it's terribly delivered. I'm not on board. It's not what I expected. So how much do you reveal and how much do you withhold? Because then the other side of it is people get disappointed when they don't get enough of an explanation. Yeah, they get confused. So what? what yeah. how much do you want to give away about what this thing is, this power? And I think that's is. the idea of, I think, having not, not uh, I'd, I'd love it if it didn't have just one protagonist, you know what I mean? So like a, a bit like, well, you know, the, the film Pandemic, you know, the one that's got Kate Winslet and, and you just jump between all these different people um, to find out what's going on. And some of those famous protagonists maybe they don't make it you know may and then maybe what happens when it's the leaders of countries who suddenly stop moving or you know maybe it happens to the pope who knows you know uh there's that kind of controversial angle. controversial know. <laughs> who knows, who knows? um so I, I read a really lovely he would think it was the voice of god by the way clearly like it's like, <laughs> do you know what at first you would or think the, that or the if devil, you were or the devil exactly yeah. if you had some sort of divine conduit uh, in some way you would think that by default right so that's fascinating yeah. how he uses what he would do with that information so but yeah sorry right. before before the whole you know like super creepy twist of the pessimist in the ear um i was gonna say i read a story on instagram about uh, a girl that was in a coma and her best friend text her every single day um like what she was doing like hey i'm gonna go see you i'm bringing you flowers and stuff like that so that when she came out of the coma she had like four months worth of messages from mm. her best friend so i was i was thinking something like you know like people taking the idea of it, it then being frozen and then sort of you know like putting post notes on them or something like that and then when you introduce the creepiness i was like nah that one's gone <laughs> like that lovely yeah. heart you know wholesome yeah. moment now nah, fuck yeah. that that's out the window no but it's you would have a you would one. have a cut like that wouldn't you you'd have a moment like that where you go well in brazil in the hospital in brazil the patients have been taken to go you know yeah. whatever and then they add the post-it notes so at first it's all this oh, don't worry, they're just survivors of something. They'll get out of it, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah. Until that creepy twist. Yeah, yeah. Well, so you I could wonder still if, have if it. one of the protagonists is, it becomes one of these people and that's how you, you discover it. You discover it through their, through their yeah. example of what's happening. Do you know what I mean? And so yeah, so yeah, they're, sure. they're, maybe the person in their house um, uh, is, is moves and is, is hurt or, or whatever. And then, um, you know, they, they suddenly have to be the one that doesn't move. Um, and then yeah, so at you first, just hear this voice. Do you know? I, mean? I, th- I feel like the reveal would be better if it was kind of a first person kind of. Yeah, yeah, of feel. course. Um, yeah, that's great. And again, you know, you've got all these people that you've got to know that have been maybe working with them who have stood around them going, I don't know, like, try and communicate with us somehow or something. And then because he knows about or she knows about the um, the, the, the eye recognition thing, maybe they give it to her and then that, that person has to try and work out how to do it without this thing, you know, mm. you know without them finding out. Anyway, it's there is much creepiness going on in there. That's <laughs> it know, is fascinating, and like how you, it's creepy, but it's fascinating. But like yeah, how you yeah. how you break that spell though. So what the rules? So the rules would have to be defined, sort of, because because with these sorts of horror thrillers, I mean, if you look at something like, um, oh man, I've forgotten what it's called. It's called, uh, oh, it's about the one where the the woman is being 
chased by the guy that's walking at walking it speed. It follows. It follows, right? Of course. Um, <laughs> So that was really fantastic and really interesting for the first half. And again, then the rules got murky and it became a little bit of a Stranger yeah. Things type sort of action-y type thing. And so like defining the rules of these things such that you can break them in a satisfying way, that's always tough. So like how you would, I don't know if you've thought about that, how would the person defy or override this, this force? I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, it's, it, it, I feel like it the feel of the film would start differently to how it ended up, you know, um, which is why I keep referring to Independence Day, I suppose, because that mm. starts quite, you know, all sunny days and, oh, look, he's doing this and that and the other, and then it suddenly just slams into, hell, there's these, all these bloody aliens everywhere. And then it, you know, it go, it almost goes into, it, it goes into that kind of scary um, thriller of, well, what would happen if someone blew up the White House, you know? And then mm, it goes into mm. crazy kind of cowboy thing with the, you know, with a guy who's... Uh, um, yeah, the crazy, sure, sure. What's his name? I can't remember the name of the actor. But he's, he's the guy who, who lives in the trailer park. And he's the one that, that comes in and you know, helps them out by being an extra fighter pilot and stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Then it's then it's like a war thing. Then it's like a, a hacker thing. Then it's like a military... Yeah, yeah, exactly. A I love sort it. Of Area 51 <laughs> type so thing. so many reasons. You're right, actually. And in fact, that's probably... <laughs> why it endures right because it goes through oh, yeah. it's like basically everything you want in a in a in a blockbuster um mm -hmm. so do you see this being like a big studio sort of sort of horror thriller type sort of film or do you feel like it's a little indie film like it follows or do you actually feel like no this is a blockbuster thing and it's going to be globe trotting and oh, it's i think be... i think it has to be blockbuster and mm -hmm. i feel like it has to be done a bit um has to start serious and then start creeping in the tongue in cheek a little bit here and there. And I, I think, you know, when you're able to watch this, because in real life, people make jokes all the time and people make comments and, and you know, and, and, and suddenly things to try and lighten the tone and stuff like that. I think if that's um, thrown in there, that would be great fun. But I, I feel like it should start off a bit mundane. A um, bit like, oh, well, what's this going to be? Is this kind of some kind of newspaper thriller or something like that? And then, um, and then it turns into what's happening? Is this like pandemic? What's going on here? And then, if it could turn into Independence Day, I'd be like happy as Larry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. <laughs> so, is it? Does it get a sequel? Because a lot of these films, they get sequels. You know, even if and and do they have the same people behind it? If it does get a sequel, how does it work in, oh, your, who life, knows? in your mind? Who knows? I feel like there's that many. I, I, that that whole idea of not having a single protagonist means that you know maybe it does happen again somewhere else um, yeah yeah with, it has the potential people, to expand know? doesn't it maybe it could yeah, be a yeah, tv definitely. series you know <laughs> yeah that was one of the thoughts i had but then i suppose you don't want to sort of you uh, and we always sort of veer onto tv series don't we in here because mm, we think that might drag it out though the but, whole yeah, that's exactly well, what i'm thinking it would definitely it depends, like, it depends what I, happens like do we turn it into a dystopia kind of future like as in um, you know, has has the path of the world changed? Are they, do these creatures stay with us? But we've just worked out how to stop them doing what they're doing. So it's uh, one film and then a spin-off TV series based on it. Uh, a bit, okay. a bit, what a bit like the forty-four hundred or something. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like where it's got like well, that could have very easily been a a, fi a long film, mm. couldn't it? And then mm. it, it was a TV series because then you'll discover. But you have to have entire series where these people are non-players do you know what i mean like yeah, it's yeah. working around 
Mm. I mean, because you, you feel like, you know, with I'm going to keep saying it again, Independence Day, blah, blah. Um, you know, could there have been another series, a bit like Starship Troopers, you know, where, mm. where Starship Troopers, you had that big film and then uh, the, you had the spin-offs from that because um, those aliens weren't going away, you know? And maybe mm. these creatures, whatever they are, um, maybe they end up, have, you know, there has to be some kind of cohabitation going on and maybe that yeah. could be the, the idea. Well, I, just even on the strength of, um, I'm on board with the idea on the strength of you mentioning the sequels to Starship Troopers. That's the first that we've had in Slash Duke. Yeah, so that's, you've done well. <laughs> with Casper Van Diem. Did he come back? Knowledge, I think yeah. he came back for the more Casper Van Diem. I think he was on board for all. What else is he doing? You know, he, would have, he went on board for Starship Troopers 2. Oh, I wish I remembered <laughs> the subtitle. I bet they're fantastic subtitles. Um yeah, I think it's great, and I th- and, and I love it. And I think, like, I'm interested in two things. Um, the soundtrack, because I think you could go anywhere with yeah. this idea, like the, the score or the soundtrack. I'm really fascinated by that as an idea. Um, and then the marketing. How do you put this across to people? How, how, you know, I, if you've got... I, I have one thing on the marketing front. I think cool, it goes... Huh? I think it goes viral in the same way. Do you remember like clowning or whatever that thing was people used to do like a couple of years ago where they dressed like mm. clowns and clowns started to creep? That's or the planking what... or whatever it's called. What's it called? Where you nosing oh, I mean, planking yeah, planking was less creepy. But um, I think that like people will <laughs> yeah, start... Yeah, the clown to... thing was really creepy. It was, but yeah. I think that's what people will start doing. They'll start standing out in weird places in the middle of like areas. I think yeah. you'll get some viral marketing off, off the side of that, I think, rather yeah. than actually from the studio. I love the idea of it being because because I say like you know turn of the twenty first century, um, because that has got a wealth of music going on then, um, you know you've got you've got a bit of the the sort of house kind of garage kind of idea that could go on, um, but equally you've got people like you know Blink One Eight Two and all them lot kind of kicking off with the whole that kind of feel. I, I feel like it would be a soundtrack that I would buy. <laughs> There's not many. <laughs> so I feel like you know it would it would definitely um, have that kind of retro feel slightly now, right? Which okay. is weird to talk about something that feels like it was only five years ago, but it really. I wasn't. know, I know. Um, <laughs> so I feel like there would be. Um, I mean, there might even be if you if you if you threw it in. I haven't been specific, but if you went for nineteen ninety nine, there could even be. Well, maybe this is the millennium bug. You know, <laughs> they could become yeah. some kind of idea. Maybe this creature is that idea. Who knows? Um, or at uh, least, or at least, there's a there's a metaphor in there for like the way the Millennium Bug gripped the world and then didn't do anything afterwards. You know, <laughs> like it, it thought everybody thought it was going to be this big thing and it wasn't. No um, idea. Do you know what I live in a? Because I live in a um, a, a, a relatively small fishing town in Kent, <laughs> and I remember when the Millennium Bug happened. This is a slight tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, the the police were phoning around the local businesses, going, "Oh, you know, just to let you know, this is gonna, you know, obviously we've got the Millennium Bug happening." Um, and and one um, policeman phoned the um, uh, one of the local pubs and said to the landlady, "Oh, you know, we've got to be a bit careful because um, uh, we're not sure exactly how all the traffic lights are going to work and whether or not they're suddenly going to stop working." <laughs> Because yeah. um, for those of you who don't necessarily know what the Millennium Bug is, it was all to do with dates, <laughs> from what I understand. <laughs> because people had tried, when, when computers first existed, um, they decided to try and save space by only using two digits for the year. <laughs> so, um, and um, they thought that by, by the time we get to 2000, someone clever would have fixed this problem. <laughs> so it obviously yeah. slipped to the bottom of the priority list. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody looked at it. Um, and so computers couldn't deal with the fact that 
they were you know it, they were 99 uh, was it 31st of december 99 mm. is a tuesday and then all of a sudden first of uh, uh we were you we were back in 1900 and the first of january 1900 <laughs> that's what they thought Saturday, wouldn't it? but yeah. for some reason it was a wednesday and they were like what but it, some it would happen. say we've done that over the last five years anyway but this this person said all these traffic lights are gonna go and uh, the landlady just said to her have you ever been to queen Brilla? and she's like why and like, well there are no traffic lights you you'll be fine <laughs> Some calls. <laughs> I, know. I love that. <laughs> Gosh. I know. There you go. Good. That was good. Thanks, Christine. That was I a good pitch. Nice yes, and a really nice genuinely good idea for a horror I, film. I like that pitch. Yes, yeah, a, I mean? a really genuinely film. good yeah. idea. It just was that twist that just really got me. Because horror films need <laughs> yeah. a really good central conceit, and then the rest around it is just sort of almost framework. It's, it can go it anywhere like on a, it. It feels like a thriller over a horror. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, yeah. this slow burn rather than like an invasion of the body snatchers rather than like. I always a, find them more interesting like and more an scary. Than and then a, when you than find out that it's actually something whispering into their ear, yeah. then it's just like that's oh, gross. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Take that one home and sleep yeah. well, kids. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for that, Christina. An insight into not just your creative mind, but also your current mindset, um, <laughs> closing out 2020 um, and living with family uh, during this period yeah. of time. So I don't know if it's like, a, you know, a desire or a wish that you're getting out in. Uh, I think it in, came in, from somewhere deep within. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, is which we always not like that deep anymore. Deep. <laughs> it's, it's bubbling to the surface yeah <laughs> yeah the lid is coming off <laughs> yeah definitely i think we're all there um dan can you match um christine's pitch for uh for absolutely not absolutely <laughs> not uh because i'm still thinking about it actually i thought maybe when it got to my pitch i could just stop and freeze <laughs> really still to have a little whisper sound go on but i'm not gonna be able to get out of it that easily <laughs> Um, it's very interesting that you mentioned a Cusack in your one because mine stars Joan Cusack. Oh, um, whole family. Yes, amazing. Yeah, get get them all employed. Uh, they haven't had much work really, have they, over their lifetimes? So <laughs> probably do with it. Um, so Standstill is. It seems to lead itself to horror, doesn't it? This is a full slasher horror movie, oh. um, directed by Wes Craven. So it's before. The man passed. Um, it is set in a gridlock traffic jam. Ah. And it's um, basically, it follows Joan Cusack running from car to car. So she starts in her car and um, then the, the this sort of fog and mist coming up around the cars. So the, the light really only does serves to make things less visible you know what it's like when you're in horrible fog and you put your lights on it just mm -hmm. makes it worse and so she gets out of her car to see what's happening and the camera pans away to show this full um full sort of gridlock misty thing and then you just hear the scream of someone and uh like blood up on the the rear view the rear screen of a car and Joan Cusack runs in screaming and sits in this car with this um, single man and she's like, oh my God, oh my God, I think I just saw someone get murdered out there. I just get out my car to see if um, 
it, see what was going on and I heard something behind me and I ran and um, and then she's in the car and she has a chat with this guy and she finds out about his life and she's talking to him and then um, he says, well, I should probably go and see what's going on and he gets out and the camera follows him walking through just seeing some cars, just not seeing some cars and then um, the next thing we see is Joan Cusack running into another bigger car screaming as his uh, and then you what you you just hear a body drop outside she's like oh my god oh my god i think the guy was in just got murdered and so this goes on and on and it's kind of like uh we hear bumps we hear smacks in the car and everyone's you know oh god oh god oh god and then random radios come on and basically it follows her running away from whatever's killing people as she goes from car to car or trucker cabin or whatever we never quite know what's happening but every, every time she gets in a car we follow that person leaving to go and check what's going on and then we see them getting murdered up against the door and then Joan Cusack runs into the next car that's the premise mm-hmm. of the whole piece and it is proper jump scare you know sort of gross blood Wes Craven blood on a window you know but they they never enter the car whatever's killing people never enters the car and we've got that kind of Stephen King feel that maybe it's not actually a person, that maybe it's the mist itself. Do you know what I mean? And Or maybe it's a car like Christine. See what I did there? <laughs> I knew you were coming on. I knew I you were coming it. on. And as time goes by, the, the headlights start, you get you know, headlights dipping out or people's cars cutting out. A different reason for that person to get out of the car. Um, and then the next thing we see is John, Joan Cusack jumping in another car going, oh my God, I think the person I was with has just been killed. Um, And then, of course, the plot twist is, as we find out at the very end, that Joan Cusack is in fact the murderer. And she goes from (laughs) car to car, finding out about people's lives and deciding whether she should kill them or not. And invariably, there's something that she feels they should be killed for. Wow, so, that crazy is, so well. Still. That's a really good car, casting choice. <laughs> it is, isn't it? I yeah. was just about to say that. That's my first bit of feedback. It's dynamite, isn't it? It's brilliant. Why Joan Cusack? It's obvious when you say it now, but how did you come to that? I just, I feel like, like, so I know it sounds weird, but in Adam's Family Values, she played a great sort of squeaky clean turned, turned horrible person. Mm. She's got the right face for it. And she has that sort of... What is that? No, like you insulting her? In that you could trust her face, but at the same time, if it turned, you'd be like, oh yeah, I can totally (laughs) see that. Um, Sort of reverse, you know, geek geek turns gorgeous at the end of the thing. And she's got an amazing dynamic range as an an actor, actress. Mm. I think she's just phenomenal. And um, she was the first person and only person Mm -hmm. that jumped into my brain for this one. And hopefully not jumped into your car, obviously. No, yeah. God no. Why? Why don't people lock it? I think she knocks on the window. Knocks on the window. Well, maybe it can be a little, I, little while ago as well. Like maybe like if you sort of imagine this film, part of me just thought, well, it's like an LA highway in the late fifties, early sixties. Yeah, maybe LA you know? highway. I, I, yeah, late fifties, maybe seventies. Yeah, seventies like, too. Uh, I mean, yeah. keeping keeping in turn with the fact that they film a load of stuff there. Um, Atlanta in Georgia, made in Georgia, is um, because of all the tax breaks. But the the high, so I used to work with a company that used to work 
They used to work six in the morning till three in the afternoon and then all would leave at three because the traffic was so bad that if you left at mm. five, it would take you three, mm. four hours to get home because you'd be stuck in such traffic. So maybe it's set in Atlanta rather than, that's that, mm. uh, than that as like an, okay. an insight into it. And then somewhere in the 70s, you'd get all those like beautiful old cars. You'd get like... Yeah. You'd get the idea that people didn't lock their cars as much. They wouldn't be wearing seatbelts as much. You'd have more of a sort of free and easy sort of well, feel. I don't. Absolutely. I don't no lock, cell phones. I don't yeah. lock my doors in my car when I'm driving around. Like, only only automatic doors. A lot of them lock automatically now, but like you wouldn't have that in the 70s, would you? You wouldn't have that, that issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, not even the 70s. Even in the 90s, you didn't yeah. have that. Yeah, sure. So yeah, what? but I like the 70s. The 70s car look, and you get such different cars and in America like those big bulky cars which should be really great for um so people <laughs> yes exactly yeah <laughs> so I and so I watched um uh I watched The Hunt recently um and what I found really fascinating about it amongst other things was the the and I, I, I don't think this is spoilers because I think for the first 20 minutes it appears to be one kind of film then it changes to another kind of film um but uh it has a sort of rotating uh, a revolving door of actors that look like main characters and then turn out not to be main characters. So would you be trying to do the same sort of thing? She gets into the cars of all these people that you think, oh, wow, yeah. you know, this... Because um, it would be relatively easy to shoot as well because you'd you'd have just... It would be fixed location, wouldn't it? And you so you could have... And I'd like it to be a bit, like, not quite psychological, but you get that time with each of the, each of the actors to really drill down, some moments for them to get there get their teeth right into it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, yeah, maybe maybe some proper big hitters. and They'd love to do that when they get get their, like, five-minute monologue and then get murdered. Yeah, Can yeah, I yeah. yeah. Like an Elliot Gould constant. type. You know, you want all these sort of, like, these heavyweights. You know, I don't know when you'd yeah. be shooting it, when you, when you, whether, you'd be sh- whether it would be something that was made a while ago or whether it would be Well, it would have to be made but... before Wes passed on. Yeah, So sure. it would be at least... 10, 20 years ago now. Yeah, it, really? yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I throw a huge curveball? Uh, so, what if the la- what if the last person that um, gets killed by Joan is mm. like we see all these cars she goes into, we see the mist, we see this car she goes into, and it's like all these different people dying in different ways in their car, and then when she gets into the final car and she kills this person, it's like it uh, it's like she's a hit woman. And she's only been contracted to kill that one person. And all the other people we're seeing in the cars, like as she walks back to her car, we see them all alive. But it's her trying to figure out what is the cleanest, perfect kill to kill someone inside of their car. And she's using all these other like families in her brain to like make it. Like- I mean, that's that's an excellent pitch. Um, <laughs> but a totally. But it feels like it's a that's a totally different kind. It is, of yeah, it's, it's, re- it's a really good pitch. It's but a it's, really it's, good. It's pitch. really. It's it's almost like too cerebral for this. It's like it's a. It's like someone comes in on a second draft, does it, and then the new director yeah. that comes in goes, "Listen, let's get rid of <laughs> that. I appreciate go, what they were going the for, but let's go back yeah. for the first one." Oh, no, no, I tell you what, <laughs> my, my version is that it's the twenty twenty reboot of, of yeah, this that's what it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the original ending like, or whatever script ending, the lost script Sean ending. talked about the Invisible Man earlier. It's like that, isn't it? This is yeah, the yeah. new version of it that gets well, done. I, I would really back like the last person that she meets in the car to be John Cusack. And <laughs> you can't he have him, I've got him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's having a great year. He's having a great year. And it just came on me. I just thought that would be, because that would be a nodding no. 
Wes likes to do that kind of thing, doesn't he? Like a real nod to those kind mm. of things. So it'd be mm. really cool if not. She obviously he's not her brother in the film, but um, that I was might just be thinking quite a though, because nice... their their bickery kind of dynamic that they have in a lot of films. Yeah, um, mm. would would that not kind of show accomplice? <laughs> do you know well, what I mean? Or well, may, or, maybe I they know. don't have that. So that's that's where he's twi- twisted on his head. So he, we don't use that bickery thing that they have, and they're like dead laced dead straight and he's like a police officer or something and that's why he ends up mm. he sniffs it he sniffs it yeah. out i sort of like so personally i would go well why don't you fuse some of some of both ideas so um if she was there to kill the final person but she was contracted to make it look like a serial killer so then all the people she's killed she's killed but the motivation was to make it look like a serial uh, to make it look like a serial killing when really she was mm-hmm. going after one person but She's still got a conscience, so she picked people out of, let's say, right. the yeah. hundred or two hundred or three hundred people on the stretch of highway. Yeah. So how that... does it start? Does she, the, film you, start? You, the, the, the film starts watching her drive. Right. You're following her, and she gets into this gridlock, and like she's oh god, like so it starts off like she's trying to get home or something, or she's trying to get to a meeting. She's you know she's she's looking at her watch. She's smoking a cigarette out the window, and she says something about it. But we're meant to think that she's a normie and then you get caught in. So we see her, but then it's we never really see her until she's into the next car. So okay. she leaves. The first time she leaves a car, it pans out. So you see the whole gridlock and then it pans back into the next car where she, someone's been killed. Right. Um, I was just thinking if she's if she's a an assassin, does that take away from the... So the, a lot of the horror stuff is that there is no... These people are sort of psychopath, psychopath, sociopathic, where they, they don't have a rhyme or reason. That's what makes them super scary, is that anyone goes at any time for whatever reason. And I'm wondering whether if they are an assassin, that becomes like a No, 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 roll, roll away from the assassin kind of idea. This is the reboot. We'll talk yeah. about this in 20 years when we're still doing this podcast. <laughs> when and Ryan we... does his next pitch for the next one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Okay, um, Dan, yeah, if it's I a like hill to die on, like... she can be a serial killer. We'll let Wes Craven have this one then. Please yeah. let Joan Cusack be a serial killer, please. <laughs> yeah. um, but you have so, so even... much scope for like, you know, she can kill them in so many inventive and interesting ways on a highway. I mean, you've got so yeah. such a vast way of, you know, manipulating the signs on the side of the road, manipulating the traffic itself. Um, you know, the cops would probably have carried firearms, so manipulating a yeah. cop with a firearm to do Tire something. Tire irons in the back of old yeah, boots. Yeah, opening people's boots and finding stuff, asphyxiation, yeah. like, it's just... Smashing someone's head in a boot. <laughs> yeah. Do you know no, what I mean? I that kind like of stuff. That is sort of the fun. I feel like, personally, cause you say that you don't find out to the end. The fun. I the would fun, love... Yes, no, no, but you know, I feel <laughs> that it would be cool if you found out halfway through the film that it's her, and then you're wondering how she's going to kill people... Ah, and, and, and then you can see this inventiveness and then when she gets in the car with John Cusack you're like dude you're going to die <laughs> and then <laughs> and then he does it kind of got that that kind of that's nice um, I like that uh, I like that flick change around the, around the middle <laughs> I wonder like has there ever been I don't watch many like true crime documentaries stuff like that but have they ever like done a thing where two psychopaths talk to each other like um, I, I'm well for example man I think Arguably, Manhunt, the TV series, is exactly about that. Um, yeah. 
But it is. It would be interesting if because that would be interesting. Where, like, because maybe she in is the car at the off, end with John. She's Cusack. feeding off all the emotions of the people. Like, like I know that's <laughs> yeah. not what a psychopath does, but do you know what I mean. That yeah. sort of thing. And then she meets someone who is like a sociopath who's got nothing, and like that's Emotions. the John Cusack, and it's and like, that, and oh. then he murders her, and he's a serial killer, <laughs> and then we just see him. Then the, the last shot is he gets into a car and goes, "Oh my god, I think someone's just been murdered." <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> yes, that's, that's, that's so that stupid, it. but it's Brilliant. so perfect. It. Wes Craven would love that. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go in and say Bernard Her- Bernard Herman sort of Bernard Herman sort of score. It, like I love that. Even yeah. if you think about the start of Psycho. That music is so, it feels like wheels on a, in fact, I'm now thinking about it, genuinely now it's intentional because of her, it's the act of driving away with the money and driving to the hotel, right? But the music mm-hmm. really has that dynamism of, of, of the wheels spinning. So you need that sort of, some sort of, the strings bring out the classical nature of horror plus this sort of psycho vibe plus, yeah. um, so you really need that, almost like the screeching noise of the tyres and the engine, you the need tires, that sort yeah, of yeah. classic strings in there. That, that would be amazing. And then, um, you know, contemporarily, um, you bring out a Criterion collection that says um, black and white as the director intended. Wes Craven's original <laughs> when it goes back to the camera negative and, you know, and, yeah. and into positive and makes it black and white. And you have, it has a resurgence on Arrow Video yeah. or Criterion or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, re- I really like it, Dan. That's good. Phew. <laughs> 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 uh, and like, so I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna jump in again with marketing. Um, yes, it is like, uh, do they risk like viral marketing by putting like signs up on highways or like you know the yeah. road signs that are there? Do they like maybe have a day where they like flash certain words or like like that? I'm not sure you can use governmental road that's, signs, that's but only... I do like the idea of, but especially in America, the big billboards, that mm. would look brilliant. Oh, they're everywhere. And like deliberately some of them broken, do you know what I mean? Where something's been ripped or, you know, where someone's been murdered or just big blood splats right across the, maybe that's it for like a week or something. There's loads of billboards that are just white and like massive blood stains. But this is 2000, so it won't be as, won't be as viral, will it? Mm. I think it's shot in the 2000, late 90s, Just like during gridlock, people would just like run with smoke grenades or whatever. So they like miss the whole place up or <laughs> Jesus. something. This, this, this film does not get made because everyone gets arrested. <laughs> <laughs> or it gets, you know. it gets shot down and then like re, re-released in its raw form like like four or five years later when the furor dies down <laughs> and all of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for that, Dan. So at this point, before we hear from the dupe, uh, I'd like to uh, remind everyone um, what happens at the end of the season. Uh, we, by by me remind you, I mean, let's Dan remind you, but let's let him finish his, his mouthful of whatever he's eating first. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. I, did, I knew you were going to do it. So I like just went for it quick. Um, so, so all of these uh, winners from each episode and get thrown into an adjudicator round. If you haven't listened to the last one where I won, uh, you might <laughs> want to go back and listen to that. Those six get paired down to one. And at the end of the season, we'll have four winners. We'll add two wild cards. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do one last final. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen to the winner then, Ryan? The winner will have their idea turned into a trailer, probably acted in by us. But if you are a Patreon <laughs> subscriber at the top tier, you'll be able mm-hmm. to act in it as well, providing you're in yes. the UK. 
<laughs> or, or you know, you, you want, want to fly, to fly over. over to the yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Bezos, if you fancy, you know, flying over, um, definitely not worth flying over to be filmed on my GoPro. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, as we like to say, um, every winner is really a loser because uh, it's much better in the imagination. These ideas, when you see it immortalized as a trailer on on YouTube or Vimeo forever, um, I think the light. Would just the the, the the spark or the shine would just rub off of it a little bit. Um, so yeah, we, we're looking for um, if you at home, if you're listening and you think an idea should have won, it should have gone through. If you listen to our last two adjudicator episodes, you'll know which of the two ideas are going to go through. If you have any uh, discrepancies, if you decide that you were wronged or someone was wronged in any way, get onto us on our social media because. Uh, the idea with the highest votes that didn't go through will be added in as a wild card at the end of the season and will name and shame you for being the person to have brought that <laughs> to back to our attention. Yeah, to be responsible for it. Also, you know, we had some early additions from Rowan, to which actually got him on the series. Yeah. Um, but Taj recently has been prolific on our Slash Dupe Facebook um, and that has added another one for Potluck. Um, yeah. As, as, the, as, yeah. as of the time recording. So, um, you know, keep adding like Taj does. You never know one of them might make it into the final. Yeah, so we have been toying with that, haven't we? That an idea selected, because um, we know Rowan gave us one, didn't he? For, for, um, was it for Potluck as well? No, it was for... Bob Disposal. Yeah, so um, he, he did it during his episode. Yeah, so he gave us one for Bob Disposal, which we were able to discuss. Um, so there is the scope for your ideas to be added into uh, the mix as well for the wild card. So really, anything um, can happen. Mostly because we haven't decided <laughs> what we want to do, but that means that anything can happen. Still, doesn't it? That's 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 anything. Anything goes. So Ryan, I'd like to hear your idea for stand still, please. Thank you very much. So in this time, I have not gone creepy horror movie. I just want you guys to know I'm, Thank you. I'm not joining the ranks. Um, I written down a couple of ideas. Obviously, I had cars in huge traffic jam. I had uh, like the the, the um, internet phrase standing somebody at the minute. You know, I was thinking about playing with that. Um, but I've gone for something a bit different. I've gone for something that. Uh, is a you know it's a mumblecore film at its heart but with like a big budget like Walter Mitty um, okay. and plays off of the idea of uh, you know I told the idea of like the notebook and driver parallel lines and what okay. I mean by that is that it has elements of it that are set in the past and then we have a modern day story so two storylines going at once uh, and the way they'll be connected is through a diary so it would be stand distill about <laughs> Um, but like the, you love that, don't you? You love that sort of stuff. But it's, but it's that's probably the worst one so far. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but and, and so it's about a guy. It's about a family moved to a farm. It'll obviously be set in, in the in the in the USA in the middle of I don't know uh, somewhere somewhere country, and they've moved to a big farm. Uh, and it's about like a, a family that have moved there. Their daughter has fin she's finished college. She's come home. She doesn't know what she wants to be doing with her life. And she, she walks around the farm and she's looking through like the old uh, barn and she finds this box and cracks it open and there's a diary in there. There's Stan's diary. And as she starts to read it, we, we, we come to the story of um, Stan, di like Stan Distill uh like d apostrophe 
mm-hmm. still, uh, who would have been a would have come from a Dutch family and moved over to the US back years and years ago. And then during he's sort of coming of age during Prohibition. And he starts to um, make moonshine uh, in his family farm. He starts to sort of in the still, the still, still, and mm-hmm. uh, but it, but it like the the diary talks about like how he came over here, you know how um, about his life, about the way it works, and it sort of starts to give this girl in the twenty first century some purpose, and you know about how eventually in there it gets to stands. Um, Stan's moonshine recipe and so she's like oh screw it you know like the it's popular to make like small batch gin and stuff like that nowadays and like you know because it's private property I'm not selling it and all this stuff like you know she starts giving it a go so she starts reading and it's learning about how um, you know he got the old equipment and so obviously she's having to she can do it much easier in the 21st century and then, you know, he would go and find, like, this berry or this something. And she now has to, like... And it may be written in, like, in Dutch or in a different language or in um in old... Sort of an olden phrase for it. So she's having mm-hmm. to go around. And I think, like, a couple of the key things would be, like, he used to pick these river mushrooms uh, or, or, like, lake mushrooms. And she goes there now and it's all dried up. So she has to, like, try and speak to someone to try and find, like, how that strain was preserved or what is a similar mushroom to it. So she's, like, going on this whole journey with this book, trying to make this moonshine. And then in the sort of, you know, back in the Prohibition times, it finds out that, like, he... Like, I was reading up on it quickly. They used to do things like put uh, cow shoes on the bottom of their shoes and walk around at night to make it look like it was cows and not footprints. And like, so it's like you know she start and so she's starting to do like she goes to the local um wouldn't be called a ferrier would it i don't know what a person like the black i guess if there's still a like, you know people love blacksmithing nowadays don't they um and she like gets some old school like horseshoes or cow shoes to like find out how it all worked and um i like to say that the dad sort of cottons on and this is this is inspired by like a, a true story with my boss is that she's been getting advice from this guy who um, sold sold a consultancy and with the money from it he's he makes his own tequila and sells his own tequila because that's what he've always loved mostly because working in the city drives you to drinking a lot um, but he so he's like sort of followed his passion by doing that and that's one of his passion projects and on a thingy so i think maybe that's the idea that the family have come from that's why they've got this big house is why they don't particularly have to worry about her like working mm. it's because they're sort of one of these things and the dad's like well yeah let's try and recreate this guy's moonshine obviously let's not <laughs> let's not make it to about um let's not make it like his actual moonshine let's you know actually let's take down some of the alcohol content let's actually make it so we could potentially produce this like small batch gin sell it in farmers markets and that sort of stuff like what's the correct legal proceedings of that and so they're going on they're doing this and i think that would be like you know it's like giving this person purpose and as she gets towards the end of the diary she realizes that stan had uh had a partner and so then she starts to go on this adventure to try and find out like who what the ancestry of all of this is like um he settled in this place and met this woman and then so she goes and like tries to find that family tree and whatever happens and i think it would just be interesting that she sort of 
eventually we'll try and get some, uh, you know, people from all the family or as many sort of surviving family members as possible and bring them a bottle of the gin and t- and share the diary with them and tell them the story about like how it all came to be and, you know, the story of Stan and how this might be like a piece of their history that they've lost. Um and then, yeah, and I think, and I haven't really come up with an ending because it's all like, there's so many ways it could end and it's so lovely. But I guess, I think maybe it would just end on her going on like Dragon's Den, selling it with the story or something like that. So I'm, I'm fascinated by, like, I really like that. And I'm fascinated by uh, the idea of uh, the, particularly now, particularly the time we're living in, it's, it, 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 it's interesting to know the difference between a coping mechanism and something that you require in order to uh, unwind, right, and switch mm. off, which is, which is necessary. And sometimes they can uh, blend into each other and bleed into each other. So I, I personally can get a hold of this as a drama if something happens to her at the start that we don't see or don't know, but that pervades her life. There is something in her that, that I, is a hole that I needs don't, to be filled. I don't see it going in that direction at all. I don't think so it's So let me like... just finish what I'm trying to say. So, I, so this is the thing. She finds the diary... And within the pages of the diary, she finds purpose. That's what that's what I'm getting at. Now, it can change what happens to her ahead of this event. It could be a divorce. It could be anything, really. But in order to get dive uh, invested sorry, into a diary um, and into wanting to follow somebody else's footsteps when you don't know who they are, there has to be a motivation for that. So all I'm saying is, what's the motivation to get into that? So I had this girl come out of, come out of college... Um into a rich family i hadn't actually planned like but she could very easily be uh an artist and so it doesn't particularly require her to so her like artist block i take personal umbrage to that <laughs> go for it. Yeah. dan how many she times comes have out you as an had... artist has has no sort of direction in life. no 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 <laughs> no no so she reads she's an old got, person's like, book she's got painter's find... block you know um and right. and her sort of going on this adventure has that but it doesn't even necessarily you know it doesn't even have to be that she could have been studying um chemistry and and you know this is her like like i know how difficult it was trying to land dream jobs from a um from a degree when you're built up on grandeur like i thought i'd get a degree and walk straight into the top advertising agencies and be like here's my degree give me a job now please. we all thought and that sort of, that's the no, fallacy of the and university so like her being like her maybe studying chemistry that's why she can do the distilling and she knows the, the processes and stuff like that well um, I, I mean i would say it's almost more exciting and interesting for her not to have studied chemistry but to try and learn what these things mean you know she's delving into another world and, and adding these things into her yeah. head so i guess that, so, so so the, so so this the is what struggling artist comes back into it and then you know well, maybe the yeah, dad so, maybe it's yeah, the dad that has all the or even the mum has knowledge of that and then she, she's like yeah oh, exactly like, this is um, how she can connect to her parents or the people she's just returned to like yeah so that's the trauma in itself i mean this is what i'm saying so i actually think we align on this you see what? the trauma of having a degree and then coming out of uh, into the world expecting something more than you are given expecting that your position is going to be different to to what it actually ends up being and to find your place in the world can make you quite insular and it can make you seek these these things to fill the time uh, so so actually building stills getting the equipment making gin it's all a process that has to have, you have to be able to see her working through something. Um, I feel like, um, have you ever watched, I cannot remember the name of the film, but there's a Brenda Blethyn film where she um, loses, her, her husband dies, leaves her with loads of debt and she ends up growing um, cannabis. 
in her. Um, oh, there's there's the TV series oh. Weeds, which is nah, it's not that one. Though. Oh, it's there, was a, there was a film. There was a film. It's oh. a Brit flick, Brit British film, and uh, Brenda Blessing was in it. And I wish I could remember what it was called. Um, but yeah, but there was that whole idea of her knowing what her life was going to be. Um, and then and then it all going to tits up, and then she starts to grow a lot of weed. <laughs> and um, let me see if I can find the film. Saving Grace, that's what it's called. So she's newly right. widowed, and she's faced with financial ruin. And it's all set in Cornwall, so they've got these lovely Cornish accents as well. <laughs> but, um, so, but yeah. So I I have a problem with with heroes must be forged in tragedy i i I actually disagree with that like i don't think it needs to be oh she has no purpose oh she does like this that and the other like it doesn't have to be a drama that causes her to want to do something um like as i said it, it and it doesn't mean it doesn't have to necessarily carry an overlying message of like of Oh, you know, you found purpose with your family because you decided to make alcohol and follow someone's journey. Like, I don't think it necessarily needs that. That's not the angle that I foresee in it or wanted. So, to, is there to is there a out. movie that doesn't do that? Is there a movie in the history of uh, and and I'm not talking about completely bizarre like Enter the Void. I'm sure even that has a purpose. Um, or is there any film that in the world that doesn't do that? Uh, dramatic uh, like film. almost almost definitely but like not off the top of my head exactly like, so it's in order to be very very different you need to have a reason even to do that yeah if, and if, so know. the difference is it, it isn't this whole like you know the the tragedy starts with tragedy it's like it's just someone trying to follow something like it's like i don't, hardly doubt that people will be watching this going on the journey and then going yeah it would have been better if she had some tragedy at the beginning though like yeah so uh, uh, yeah so what's the what's the draw for an audience member to follow her journey what what is it about the gin so is the gin spe- you know like is it what is the the draw for wanting to continue with her you, on her journey you know the way that the trailers for Gatsby were very um like showed the sort of roaring 20s in that sort of very vibrant colorful way hmm. i think that's the sort of thing that's where the parts of the um the prohibition lifestyle looked like the fact that Stan's gin was so good that the gangsters wanted it. He got invited to party. It was like one of the ones that everybody was buying in the area. So you show that side of celebrity and that's the sort of like flashiness. And because it's not particularly, it's not only about this girl, even though she's the one that we see in the 21st century, it is as much about his story. Like uh, big fish does this really well. Like majority of big fish is Ewan McGregor, being mm. Ian McGregor rather than Billy Crudup, um, so it which, is... if we were at the table, I would say um, was is incredibly centered around uh, tragedy, you know. But by its de- yeah, and, no, no, and that's no, what no, galvanizes you through the absolutely. But what I'm the, that, but the story. Not, but I'm not talking about the semantics of the story. I'm talking about that, like the way it's advertised. Even though we are a 21st century, Billy Crudup is the 21st century, and obviously it has all of that beautiful moment at the end. It was all marketed with you uh, McGregor and the, the um, and the part and his past life and stuff like that. So I think it has this equal measure of. So do we see his past life? Do you yeah, absolutely. To... Like, and it's it's in, oh, in, it's in between okay. like parts of her reading the diary, and then we it goes to you know she starts reading it and it's talking about Stan in the same farm getting the walking up and down in the in the cow shoes to like hide his tracks and everything like that i see and i thought cuts, that's what she was doing to okay. her like then 
at you know with all this copper still equipment and then going like or you know like and as i said with like the mushroom thing it would be like oh you know in the diary it'd be like my the thing that flavored my my moonshine the most was i used to get these wood chip mushrooms from this lake and you see him at the lake and it's really beautiful and then it cuts to her and it's completely dried up and there's no mushrooms there like she's all in a hiking gear and she's like shit where am i gonna like yeah yeah i have to try and figure this out so okay i get where you're coming from now so you have so you have him feature and he's quite prominently in the story and you see that him going through the yes. motions in his time prominently in the story bit, is it a bit like have you ever watched julie and julia no, no. sorry it's a chick flick again um i don't know if you're leaning towards a chick flick but anyway but it's <laughs> basically um there there's you've got two characters one is julia childs very famous uh, american uh, cook and then you've got um, this writer called Julie, and she decides, and, and it's and it's it's sort of primarily following Julie, the writer, and she's she's um, got a really like boring job, so she decides she's going to do a blog, and every day she's going to cook, um, she's going to work through Julia Child's cookbook from front to front to back, um, and it's a big cookbook, and she's going to blog about it as she goes, um, and just as keep herself uh, in it, but. As she's going through the recipes, the story cuts back to Julia Childs, um, and you find about what was happening in her life when she wrote that book. So it's that kind of is it is it like that kind of yeah. parallel? Great. Yeah, and you, and and so that's why I was sort of saying at the beginning with uh, the notebook and driver parallel lines. You know, it has a lot of that stuff moving in tandem together. Um, and sort of, yeah. You know, I just I, I'm glad because that that's really that's done it for me because. Initially, I just thought we were just, especially with Mumblecore, we just yeah. do naturally safety, not yeah. guaranteed, was what I was getting a vibe for. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, that's yeah. why I said it's it's got the heart of Mumblecore, but the budget of Walter Mitty, like that sort of like the fact that because I would argue Walter mm-hmm. Mitty has that Mumblecore vibe. It's him by himself a lot in these beautiful vistas in these sort of areas. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, and you know, so I would argue it has that sort of heart to it, and I think that's where it where. I wanted it. I, maybe maybe I didn't come at the right pitch, but yeah, it would be this mix between whoever Stan was making, you know, doing all the stuff originally in Prohibition times, and then her trying to replicate it and almost bring it like back to the to um, into the twenty first century. Like also as well, people now love to like do things in a classic way like you know you you'll have clothes that people prefer vintage clothes that are hand stitched and like made by someone through like an old like you know nan's house she's got like an old dressmaking like template (laughs) you know and instead of just being manufactured and people you know people getting like honey uh from bees that like hand i don't know do you shuck honey i guess uh (laughs) but like um that sort of thing like so she, she, she sort of does that you know she she gets the old style copper um uh the copper steels and she tries to make it in the same way that he did and so that's in what she's doing you know she's trying to create this 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 no i like that i like that i even sort of like this idea of it being easy to get the equipment initially but then because you think oh she can do this she's got all the modern equipment i like that but then actually foraging for the things that make it special are a bit more of a trial and that's quite interesting and then almost you can have if you wanted to have a second or third act where she thinks the gin's just not right. You know, what is it? And then in the story, there's something that comes out in his story that makes the gin. He comes to a revelation where the gin, you know, in his story gets just that yeah, actually, joie de vivre and then she, she actually, gets him in really it. that's really good. Like maybe he's got like, she spends all of her time making it and then 
yeah you're right it doesn't taste it and then as she reads more of the diary then it's like recipe 2.0 and there's something else in there and then it's and like that's just oh. sort of dramatic second to third act sort of thing whatever I, that is i you know i like the idea that like maybe she does find out about the family at the end and i think maybe she does she goes around and delivers the gin to the family members or like in the family tree i think i'm only saying this because i recently did one of those dna test things and it shows you all your family but you're 100 that bitch weren't you when you what? checked it out you were 100% that bitch, weren't you, when you checked yeah, it out? Yeah, exactly that. Just, yeah. like, just like Lizzo. Just you had like Lizzo. You had your DNA tested. Sean, like, Sean's been waiting on a audio platform to crack that joke <laughs> for about four weeks. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I think it <laughs> didn't go as well as I expected it to go. Yeah. So I expected it to be much better than that. I'm just, just being honest. And like, um, you, put it, you put it in like three different group chats as well and no one reacted to it. So. I know. I was quite upset. Um <laughs> so what okay so just before we round up because this is what i find interesting so something like and i get where you're coming from and i don't think you need because a film with a with a large tragedy at the start of it it puts itself in a very specific genre and it puts itself in a very specific mood and tone i totally get that but if but a film without drama doesn't exist um or, or you know yeah I, yeah i think that's fair to say um in some regard so if you look at something like the graduate it took, takes you two or three viewings to realise that the entire film captures the entire feeling of someone who has graduated. It captures the entire, the ennui and, and listlessness that you get, this sort of lack of direction, the depression, but it captures it through the um, vision of, uh, of, a, um, of an affair um, and, or, or, you know, relationships of different ages. And, and it, it, sort of, it sort of touches upon these things in order to tell that story in a very subtle way. Actually, I think it took... I wondered after the third time why it was called The Graduate. And it's, and it's for that reason. It's, it's not about... It's not called The Affair. You see what I mean? So, sorry, Christine, you wanted to jump no, in. No, I was, I was going to say that, that the, actually the, the drama doesn't... Although every, you're right, every film does have drama in it, otherwise it's not a story. You know, every story has to have some element of storytelling, you know. But the, the, the drama doesn't necessarily have to start at the beginning. It doesn't have to be the catalyst. What can be mm. the drama can be the journey. So, yeah, the discovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's a great idea because, you know, like you say, the, the, you're trying to find all these elements, but there's no reason why the frustrations that you'll find, that, that this, this, um, this, the, the modern-day character has isn't because she's experiencing frustrations in her own and, and and finding a mission that you feel very passionately about um can lead to drama and can lead to um uh conflict within your own life um because you've you've suddenly you know suddenly you're not as the easygoing laid-back person you've got a you've got a purpose and a mission and it depends how how overboard you go with that passion mm. you know um, if, and I think that's uh, where it could it could you know and that, and and the same for the for the person in the past you know for hmm. Stan you know, it's the same thing like if he's decided he's going to go for this mission and that's where the beauty of a parallel story works um, because you know the the this that the issue that Stan may be having may be similar to the one that the modern day is late girl is having and then they 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 yo yo mm. between each other yeah you know, and I, find I sympathy. Was... I really like that because I didn't think of it from the angle of, yeah, like the frustration that she can't get the recipe right is in itself a tragedy. Like in a way, it's a small one, but it's like the thing, like she's undergone this thing, she's invested time and money and all that stuff. Um, I think also then, you know, because as you said, we can't have a happy story apparently. 
we need to have some drama in there. I think that like maybe the, the drama, drama and come, happiness the drama are not exclusive. From, from Stan, exclusive. the drama comes from Stan actually. Why he stopped? You know, like the moonshine, the stills can blow up. The the thing can get burnt down. He can get arrested for it. Like that can be what it is. I think the beautiful thing about comedy is it always has tragedy in it. And a beautiful thing about a tragedy is it always has elements of comedy in it. So you then never, although you see these two separate um, uh, vehicles, unless it's something like, I don't know, the Emoji movie or something, or American Pie, where it's all throwing a comedy at it, you've got to have the balance. So I think if you're going to go for this um, lovely striving image of something, you know, achieved and something gained, there's no... um, there's no highs without lows, you know? So I feel like it, the story would be, it doesn't have to be sad. It can be absolutely hilarious if you want it to be a comedy story, you know, about some 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 hick making moonshine. <laughs> That's a great idea. There could be all sorts <laughs> also, of elements think, in there. I don't, think, um, I don't think anyone's implying it has to be like no. tragedy with a big T. Nah. Uh, we kind of talk about it when we're... When we're working through scripts about obstacles that you just have to overcome. So an obstacle is a nicer way of thinking of it because then it doesn't feel like it has to be, you know, the distillery doesn't have to burn down. But it could be like you can't find the mushrooms. That's that's an obstacle, right? That's Mm. that's in itself a drive, something to overcome or the next ingredient or the fact that she turns the page and there's 2.0 and it's like a different it's a different whole different um, vat that she has to use. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be. Like she gets shot in the arm while she's trying to do gin, <laughs> but she's but she's just got something yeah. that uh, an obstacle which is it's a motivator for the hen to, yeah. to then do something new. Yeah. And it doesn't I suppose... have to be angst. It doesn't have to be you no. know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't yeah. have to be someone dying in their family. It could literally be like like you know an obstacle, or it could be something they discover about themselves. You know, it could be a good thing. Um, like you know, yeah. maybe they're in their deadbeat life before. They had friends that were Too takers. Too many people are buying her gin now. Yeah, maybe. And she has to make more gin, you know. Like maybe. How, does, how, did, how did Stan get around having to make yeah. more gin now? It was he didn't. Popular, he or... just burnt his still down. <laughs> like, <or something laughs> like, like, maybe that's what it is. I like, I think, yeah, it's it's definitely got some some interesting uh, ways to com- to sort of complete it. You, you do have... It doesn't have. To, it's like a film that, like full of heart and soul, rather than having to be something that is, um, you know, b- b- uh, centered around having to fix something. Um, one of the things I do like the idea of marketing. Like I, I'm a big fan of a split poster, but maybe the idea of them sitting like back to back with each other, reading one reading the diary, one writing the diary with the stills behind them. Uh, in the same barn like that sort of thing or like Mm -hmm. her reading it and him writing it like that sort of thing for marketing but um yeah i think something a bit different from from ryan uh it's still still a heartwarming tale which i think maybe won me the first uh episode um but yeah stan distill what a way to change that title (laughs) if you say so yourself So those were three incredibly diverse, uh, spirited and interesting pitches, all from the title Standstill. Um, this was something, so a long time ago, I was thinking, well, how can you make, uh, back when I was in film school, I thought, how can you make a high-impact film that plays on theatre? But of course, I had no real uh, in, in knowledge of theatre back then, um, and arguably not now either. But 
So I wanted to try and like, <laughs> I wanted to try, I get it all from Dan. I, I try and leech it from other people. Um, but I wanted to make something that played with the conventions of um, space. So that's the, probably, the, and I say a lot of wanky things on this podcast. It's probably the wankiest thing I've ever said. Um, <laughs> but I was really fascinated by the idea of a standstill. And one, one time we were in, so it's to do with traffic. Um, and of course, for some people who don't know, it's, it's a traffic jam where you're not moving for about an hour. You know, it's just, there's, it's, it's, we would also call it chock-a-block maybe. Um, <laughs> but it's just completely, completely stacked. And, you know, I was once in a traffic jam where people were getting out of their cars. It was absolutely baking. I think this was about four or five years ago. Absolutely baking. Um, people were, you know, sharing water with each other. This is when you could drink things from other people's cups. And they were chatting to each other and people were peeing by the side of the road. It was like a really interesting experience for everybody to, to get out of their cars in the middle of a... Of, um, uh, a motorway and just sort of chat to each other so I, th- I thought it would be interesting to replicate that and have um, a sort of micro drama so although it is following a similar setting as Dan's idea I sort of thought it would be interesting to um, shoot uh, a drama where all of the people got out of their cars and talked to each other and sort of learned new things about each other and Dan, I was very into like what's what's yeah. what's the name of the musical that where they all fly into the same airport together Come, uh, come away with well, me. Come from away. Come, come from away. away. So Sean, they've they've basically not basically done it, but come from away um, does a sort of similar similar not not necessarily well. Yeah, it's plain standstill post nine eleven, and all these planes land in this one area, and it's everybody being there. So that's fantastic. Yeah. So so it, obviously it works. So I can steal it. It's perfect and give it my <laughs> twist, which yeah. is so. But this is the twist. So I was I was really. This time it's for cars. <laughs> So I, so I, um, I really like. So I, I was. I watched a load of films at the time and just smashed them up. So I watched Dogville for the first time and I thought, what, a, what a fucking incredible way. I mean, it's like four hours long, which is ridiculous. But it, what an incredible way of making a film where you you smash the conventions of film and and theatre together and you, like the houses are drawn with lines on the floor that say house on it and then all the characters in the movie. I mean, it's got, it's, it's quite a high, pro, I think it's Lars von Trier. I know it's Nicole Kidman. Um, and it's about a person that comes into town and then lots of bad things happen. It's set, you know, in the Dark Ages or something or the Victorian time or something. And uh, they start to blame her for it. And it's how the town deals with, um, I know those times are very se- separated quite vastly, but set somewhere where they saying. wear period costumes. <laughs> I could see Christine laugh and I was dark like, ages oh, I think I know why. It was, it was, <laughs> really it was sorry, between the Dark myself. Ages it was between the Dark Ages and the Victorian times. Just Somewhere between them. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere there, I don't know. And it's probably not even that. It's probably not even that. It's probably set, like, I don't know, somewhere else. Ultimately, I'll cut all of the stuff out that makes me sound stupid. Um, but that's going to be the entire thing. Um, so ultimately, like, it's, it's, it's like quite an intense drama, but uh, they're only in period costumes and they're not wearing... There's no sets whatsoever. And you can see people in the houses sort of pretending to act whilst the other acting's going on as if all of the walls were taken down. And I feel like it should have got a little bit more uh, uh, interest than it did because it's quite a fascinating idea. So the idea of Dogville crossed with like a sort of Louis Mal sort of, I was really into My Dinner with Andre. So I really like these films where people just talk normally and they just talk for ages, as you can tell, maybe that spun off into this podcast. Um, but people just talk nonsense and it's very sort of, it's, it's loaded with stuff, but it doesn't feel like it is. So like, like Ryan was saying, but it's like, it's very low. The drama is very low stakes. It's just about people just existing in a space. So I wanted to take, so all of that, but 
but the ending thing about this is, is what I sort of found most interesting is about, uh, about it was I wanted to put the cars on, this is an incredibly wanky idea, which is why it never happened, and I'm talking to you about it now. Um, you'd have an empty stage, and then the cars would be non-existent, but the, but the people within the cars would be seated in the seats of a theatre, and then you'd have them in clumps of four or clumps of two, and then you'd have them get up and walk to the different cars so you would have no dividing lines between them all, but they would be acting within their cars as if and talking as if they were completely enclosed spaces like a car. It, Almost certain I've seen about three student shows that are exactly like that. Right. It, yeah, exactly. And it's sort of almost like a parody, isn't it? So I wanted to take that and I wanted to move it from the stage. I genuinely thought about this and I wanted to move it to the actual theatre seats. And then not just with four or five people in a car like they do in a student film, like all sitting in the car, pretend miming, driving and stuff. But like that you have like 150 people in the seats and they're all doing something as if they're divided in their own cars, but they're not. So you almost explode that idea, yeah, that, that we've all seen of these sort of terrible st- student sort of theatre productions of like pretending they cars. What, what, years, what years were you thinking of this? I just want to pitch where your brain was. Obviously, being your brother, I just sort of, I, I know what your life was like. So I was probably at university at the time. I was probably thinking, okay, like, that, shit, man, you can make it. films like When Nothing Happens, man. And like, they're the best films in the world. No one else likes them, but I do. And I get these films, you know. And he's like, got nothing better to do and sit <laughs> yeah. around and watch and, those kind of Yeah, things. exactly. And dream <laughs> up just nonsense and spend all of my uh, student loan on like Louis Mal DVDs. So, so yeah. So anyway, look, I'm not saying it's a good idea, but that is where Standstill comes the from. idea. Yeah, yeah. for Standstill. And, it's, uh, and I'm very, very grateful to um, have opened the title up to three ideas that I like much, much more. So whoever doesn't go through today, I still like it more than my own idea. And that's saying something. That's pretty good, isn't it? Speaking of, we had um, uh, a rip-roaring opener with Christine's idea. Um, A a sort of a highbrow thriller that sort of you assume um, is maybe a a sort of a parody or maybe it's sort of uh, a news film, but then it, it slowly turns into... Uh, a sort of thriller, a blockbuster thriller, um, which has the sort of shades of uh, Independence Day moving through lots of different genres, showing you microcosms of the world or the country that have been affected with a sort of more of an invasion of the body snatchers type sort of, or uh, that sort of invasion uh, subtlety to it. But that has this sort of second or third act twist where uh, they are the people who have been uh, made to appear still um, are actually doing it intentionally because they are being whispered in into their ear by a nefarious, unknowable force. So that's that's. I mean, that's you know. Is it, I mean, I've this written film, down. This film would hang very heavily on the effects team because this could look terrible. <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of You'll let them horrible. figure it out. Yeah, well, You'll just write in the script like no, the, mo- it, it the most horrible thing you've horrible. ever seen. It's a close up of someone's like face here, and you just see like lips. You don't have to see anything else. Yeah. Just like, oh, just like, just just this bit of a person or something whispering. In <laughs> whispering, whispering. You I've written this down. You have to stand still. I love that. And he says no. Did you say he says no? Is that well? What? This is what this is what I think the character who's uh, got the speech eye recognition yeah. thing. Um, I think they're really, really slowly spelling something out. 
and someone thinks it's just rubbish at first, but it's slowly like that's the, I think that's the beginning of the sentence that makes someone think something's happening. This is that's relevant. absolutely yeah, the tagline. So. I love it at the bottom of the, of the, the no. poster. He <laughs> says no. It's like it's fantastic. Um, we had Dan up next with the Joan Cusack Wes Craven slasher horror um, gridlock during a traffic jam. With the fog lights and the fog on the mist, you have all these sort of hallmarks of an old school horror with the sort of slasher, the wanton slasher vibe of the 70s where they just went all out. And you had these, um, you have wonderful opportunities for like Christine. I remember watching Christine. It was such a, the film Christine, such a creepy film. So you have the potential in these, these sort of metal boxes to have so much horror in and around them. And you can play with lighting a lot. You can play with... Um, you know, there's so many different kinds of like, like not just colours of light, but sort of um, the sort of the temperature of the scenes change. So you can really play with colour and light and and depth and and I just, and I love the idea of John Cusack and Joan Cusack um, meeting at the end. Um, so it's uh, with this sort of this harrowing score that is like part classic, part I don't know if you would say electronic, something that sort of has this this the metal on metal scrape of that sonorous um, sound. So that was that was a fantastic idea. And then we had another one, I think, by Ryan. And then... Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. Oh. Oh. I'm, I'm only joking. I absolutely love Ryan's because you have both... You have both of the things I love. You have... Which is what maybe what he was trying to go for, which is why it's sad and then it backfired, isn't it? But it's... <laughs> but he went for... But there's this... But the big budget mumblecore is a great idea. And you have this almost like safety not guaranteed sort of tone, this sort of is there something bigger going on than you expect. You have lots of intrigue, there's red herrings, you have lots of... You know, you have a story about a woman... Um, who wants to connect to the land that, that her family owns. Maybe, you know, if, she, if she's part of a rich family, maybe that's part of it. I mean, everybody's struggles are their struggles, no matter where you come from, no matter what class you're in, your struggles are still your struggles. Um, people who have money aren't, doesn't make, it doesn't necessarily mean they're happy in that um, way. So um, she connects, these two timelines connect via a diary. You have the roar of the 20s, you have the ennui of the 2020s. I sort of like um, building... Uh, or replicating the old world again. There's something interesting about that. So not only is she doing that um, in what she's doing, but it's also what we're doing in contemporary society where we're, we're pulling from the 20s, we're pulling from in fashion, we're pulling from lots of different things, as Ryan was saying. So I'm, I'm quite fascinated by that as an idea um, and the idea of um, history rolling back in on itself and, and there being... Uh, drama within the story but it not having to be a downer not having to be about something sad or, or something overly dramatic that it's just a story that you can enjoy um, and be taken on a ride with in, in two different timelines so I think that was um, that was a great entry so it, it's really difficult to say where I stand on on any of these ideas for stand still because that was a bad pun what where I stand I didn't even you see I'm just I'm just naturally just naturally funny. Um <laughs> so no I I can't I really don't know. I don't know where I, d I don't know where to begin because um this is the <laughs> this is the this is what's so interesting about pitching. This is what's so interesting about slash dupe and so interesting about when we use our memories uh at the adjudicator episode Dan Ryan and myself we use our memories to to sort of um 
reinvigorate the idea based on what we liked about it initially. And I find as a writer, and you might find as, as creatives as well in other ways, that, that that's sometimes the best way of finding out what has what you liked about the idea most, what has been, you know, what you distill out of it, if you'll excuse the pun on that. Oh, what you just okay. that's an intentional pun, mm. but 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 you know, but not intended to be funny. Intended mm-hmm. to be useful. It was a useful pun. Yeah. Um, it uh, is what you draw out of it that um, that, that when you look back on it six months later or a month later, that's that's usually what um, you want to keep, and the rest of it can can be fluid. Is that a pun? I don't know. I don't even know anymore. Um, fluid, still, gin, liquid. We'll it. It's too yeah. far, isn't it? It's too far. We'll, too yeah. is it? I don't know. This is this is just um, it's just a really difficult one for me, um, and hmm. So as I talked, see, this is why I think it's interesting about pitching as well. So when I started to explain what I thought, how accurate do you think my interpretation was, Ryan, of your of your pitch? Uh, I will not say anything about it only because then I have to then <laughs> I have to then you know remember I have to write all these down to be uh, to be said. So I no, think no, no, there's, we, there's, no, there's something, there's something it, sacred. But... I think there's something sacred in your recount of those when they ultimately get pushed into the semi-finals so i think like to comment on them now uh actually does our adjudicator episodes a bit of disservice so so in in not answering it you've you've answered my question which which i find quite interesting because when i read your answer back to myself your idea back to myself i liked it more so i don't know whether it was because i was distilling in there what you initially uh, had between the lines of what you were saying or whether I've given it a spin that I preferred and that's what I find so interesting about pitching and then taking an idea and drawing it forward you know let's say um, for the adjudicator episode so that's why I was interested in whether you thought it was accurate or whether well, it was you know beauty's in the eye of the beholder and we all think we look good in the mirror <laughs> there's so much to pick apart in that right but I will let it stand <laughs> oh, that, is like, that was, that was one of those like uh <laughs> Oh, I can't think of his name now. Um, that was one of those like Cantona, almost Muhammad Ali level comments that people are like, "Oh, damn, that's good," and then you'd walk off stage. So well, that, yes, yeah, I just fired myself to Eric Cantona right. and yes. Muhammad they Ali. Earned, they earned their platform, though, didn't they? They earned their right to say that. And although I loved Standstill and Bob Disposal, by the way, which you know went through to the finals in the first um, in the first uh, adjudicator uh, round. Um, um, I'm going to say that there's something, you're going to hate me for this, there's something about the drama I don't get. I don't get why I want to see her story more than his story. And I think when you have a really fascinating, interesting story on one hand, you have to make the others the other equally interesting and fascinating, albeit in a completely different way perhaps, but I still have to be galvanised around why I'm watching both parties. So I'm going to have to take that one out of the running. Well, um, just uh, uh, unlike the two aforementioned um Eric Cantona and Muhammad Ali, I will graciously bow out and uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> until they get knocked out, or uh, <laughs> as Muhammad Ali might have done. Um, okay, so next, I don't normally do it like this either, but I think it's they're all really, really good pitches, and it's very difficult to 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 take them out because um, Dan's yours. Um, I'm going to have to take yours out, but. Um, I think it's a really genuinely great idea for uh, a horror film. Um, and I think you've captured completely and utterly 
uh, the right tone. You capture like a really unique tone. I think like having this sort of the fifties and the seventies horror films are really great, and like you and they sort of mirror each other in many ways. And so to see that like again, I, you I was able to visualize it completely. The addition of the fog, the addition of like the 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 um, John, Joan Cusack. It was it was dynamite. I absolutely loved it. Um, but you weren't even got on speed dial for the for the trailer. Do you know what I mean? Easy to shoot. Have you? You've just been in a car with fog. <laughs> we could have done it. Ah, but I'll, just... also, I will also bow out graciously. Or in fact, I shall bow out by being murdered on the on the boot of my car. Such <laughs> a horror style. It's just the thing is, you were. I had to uh, like. You were right, Dan. You you know when someone's nailed a pitch. You know yeah. when if you have to decide between three things that are equally excellent in different ways oftentimes in in slash dupe and i think people at home feel the same that one rises to the top um and it's almost a shame we should make the guests go last because they usually come straight in and then that's the 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 high benchmark that we have to to get up to no i like it that way (laughs) (laughs) and it really did like christine you really did like it was like just well done christine yeah because good horror honestly it was i think it was my winner and my favorite today in only in terms of the fact that um only in terms of the fact that you had um you have a fantastic concept um which is what you always need when you make these sorts of films but not just that you 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 hung it on a framework that was was tight enough for us to be able to see what you were talking about but loose enough for us to be able to maybe um add and change a few things here and there you know we're able to sort of go you you're like okay well these bits are you know it has to be globe trotting it has to show you one person for each household i love that i love like I love these structure and these rules that you really do need to have when you build this sort of film. Um, but I, then you I left really it loved open it. enough. I really loved it, Christine. And, and obviously for the for the listeners at home, what you couldn't see on the Zoom call is that when she talked about it and then we, when she talked about the idea of people standing still, we all had quite a visceral reaction to it. And then <laughs> when she gave us the twist, it yeah. like we had a second visceral reaction yeah. to it, which yeah. is exactly <laughs> what a crowd would be sort of screaming and shouting at their TVs when they saw it. So, you know, the fact that we all felt all of that in the time that you got to pitch. Yeah, mm. I definitely, t- I totally agree that it should I, I like the way that week. you guys yeah. were talking, that you were asking questions about the detail. <laughs> Which was like, which was really cool. I was like, well, I hadn't thought about that. Some I had, some I hadn't, and that was what was really nice about chatting about it with you guys. So you were like, oh, yeah. what about this? And I'm like, oh, either I had thought about it, or I was like, I'm going to make something up <laughs> because I hadn't, hadn't really thought about it yet. Welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I still don't know how the film ends, and somehow I won. <laughs> well, where? I mean, listen, if it goes, it'll go. That means it goes through to the um, to the next adjudicator. Uh, a final a semi-final a heat in in uh six or so episodes time <laughs> i'm still trying to get the terminology right um so if an end if you can figure out an ending before that you can you can let us know let us know on the socials christine what your you know what your ending is and we'll we'll make sure we plug it in when it comes to our pitch you will be or the first so. guest that has been gifted a rewrite well most films start in hollywood particularly without an ending so it's fairly normal to then be sort of like laying the tracks before the train also if the listeners have an idea of how it might end they can also exactly and then we'll give them then we'll give them lots of alternative endings and let them whoever our adjudicator is uh, let them pick (laughs) 
So, yeah, so thanks for that, Christine. I, I think you're right, Ryan, um, a, a, like a worthy winner. So I don't think anyone should ever feel, you know, like we were saying in the break, like I, I, once, you know, ideas come out uh, and uh, they're both... Ryan is giving Sean the fingers <laughs> right now, just so you know. I thought he was giving what it to was me. You said no, in the break, well done. <laughs> we're, we're brothers. Don't be saying, like, some weird stuff like that. <laughs> what did you say in the breakdown you described it in a really in a really nice way which works for like writers rooms workshops and stuff like that you, you described what happens with an idea so like the the Baha'i have this idea that once you put an idea into a group it is no longer your idea it is everyone's idea and no one's idea at once and therefore there can be no ego and no um, sort of shame if something doesn't get taken on yeah. I don't subscribe to that <laughs> loads of ego loads of shame i much rather would take my way not the baha'i way <laughs> terrible that's oh. mic drop um and your idea wins ryan sorry christine um he's just he's a, it's a reversal of fate um no it's i think you know and i think that's why you know i i never pick a winner at all i just pick the most resonant idea i think with that that the group responds to um my role is not to, to make a to make two losers out of this group you know in this group at all um and I think also it's just interesting to reflect, you know, being in a lot of writers' rooms myself and leading a few, I think it's interesting to sort of know where an idea captures a room and and where and when it might not. And I think that's I think that's quite important if anyone's listening and wants to to get into writing or is in the creative industry and wants to diversify a little bit. And so I think that like I'm I'm really proud to hear three very, very different ideas. I never think that there is a that the term loser. In fact, let's reframe it for this for this sort of half of the series. We need to, there are no winners and losers. There are rejected pitches, nah. failures, <laughs> destroyed, um, crushed, disregarded. We'll, uh, we'll work on it. Um, okay. We'll work on the mm. phrasing. There are those that go through to the final and there are those that do not. So Christine, we have a nefarious, surreptitious reason we brought you on this podcast as well. What is it? <laughs> um, we are not strangers. <laughs> That's why yes. we, during during this lockdown and this uh, this period of isolation, we um, we get together every Monday night um, mm -hmm. and we do a live stream of a D and D five edition game, uh, fifth edition. That's the one um, <laughs> of of a an adventure. And it's fun because it's, again, it's all this improvisational bits that we're doing here, but within the framework of D&D &D with all the rules. Mm. I'm the noob, so uh, I'm, I'm kind of uh, creatively stumbling along and every now and again going, what dice do you mean? <laughs> like, uh, and um, so slowly getting uh, um, taken along. But it's really fun. Um, there's, uh, there's six of us plus a dungeon master, uh, mm -hmm. Johnny, who's created this whole world and he's given us a corner of it. Um, mm -hmm. to do our, our little adventures in and um, we've done five episodes man that's five weeks yeah. that's crazy oh, but already then, but it's, it's 2021 so we have oh okay well then now we would have done a what eight I don't know anyway we've done a lot do you need any prior knowledge of, of Dungeons and Dragons because I can imagine just the terms Dungeons and Dragons for even some of our listeners they'll be like listen that's like when someone says Warhammer to me I go look I'm a bit I'm not there yet or they say oh, what's no. the card game Magic the Gathering I go look I get it. I Dungeon respect you very yeah. <laughs> much, but I'm I'm going to get there. So, do you need to know much about Dungeons and Dragons before you dip into this? I think I think just knowing that it's a, a Dungeons and Dragons is a mechanics of telling a story 
yeah. and that what you're what you're actually watching or listening to, depending on if you're on YouTube, Twitch, or on Spotify, because mm-hmm. we're on all three, um, is uh, is 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 three is is six people um, plus a kind of narrator curator mm. character of the dungeon master who are t- having an adventure and um yeah. you don't people get scared i think by the fact that there are dice and there are rules and there are big books full of all these these magical bits and bobs i know i was when i started mm. but ultimately we start nice and steady and it is just um a bunch of people sat around a table or a zoom call in our example in our example because we're all spread all over the place um telling a story and it's got adventures yeah. and um we yes it's, it's, it's fantasy really... it's collaborative storytelling Absolutely. in a fantasy world that's all you lovely. really need to know yeah, isn't it exactly and it's these it's these lovely colorful rich characters um and there's a lot of attention to detail that's going in from all of the people that are in yeah the definitely it's flipping lovely and we so all, many we character backstories yeah, we love, each, absolutely. we love each other's company, and we're all putting a lot of attention to detail in it. And I think it's just an adventure; it's just a yarn, really. Um, yeah. And uh, and it, I think you know, I don't think you need to know the rules necessarily to enjoy our live stream. In fact, mm. I think um, I I definitely am still very flimsy grass. Yeah, you don't know any rules, do you, Christine? And you're <laughs> still enjoying it. And yeah. I know very few, other than uh, when when what to what to. Roughly, what's that? I have to roll a dice at some point. Sometimes, if and I, if I so say that so my character has <laughs> something cheeky, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, you're you playing a, a cheeky gnome with a sort of like with a lot of energy who's like a, almost like a sort of magical engineer. That's your yeah, that's Fraser, your character. Well, the last episode was amazing. I know we're in November and we should be talking about what's happened over mm-hmm. Christmas, but you can catch up on that. But if, you, yes. if you're going to catch any of them, you should definitely listen to episode five because that has been, I think, my favorite. She so makes far. a mean, a mean cup of tea. I did, Fraser. Yeah. I do, um, but there's there's a lovely bit in a in a tavern and Becky Pantling, who's been on this, I think, hasn't she? She's Becky Pantling, a, she yeah. she won this train terminator. She won the first adjudicator. Oh, the first adjudicator. Oh man, yeah, well, for she her idea for this is playing a bard character, and you don't have to in in Dungeons and Dragons. You don't have to write the song. So you could just talk about what the song is. But she's but she goes above and beyond, songs. doesn't she? She I really know. does, and she she's written the, the in the fifth episode. That song was amazing, <laughs> and it was for it, it was accompanied so Ryan. So Ryan plays. Um, uh, a paladin which is sort of like a magical warrior and he does an oath which is very similar to game of thrones and things like that if you've seen that so and and he's a sort of big muscly guy with a with a heart of gold and and yeah you play that character really well ryan i'm really looking uh, forward to seeing just what happens now that he's it's just because it's me in real life so, <laughs> you know. he's as humble as you are ripper isn't he he's just <laughs> as, uh, he's a human um and dan you're you're uh you're a monk, a monk, which is sort of like exactly what you imagine—a sort of martial artist, an Eastern-inspired martial artist. And you and I, um, uh, I play a sort of warrior. It's called a battle master, so they're sort of almost like a battlefield commander. Um, and we're brothers, Dan and I, um, our characters, and so we get to explore. I love that though because our... the dynamic shifts. Because you know, because obviously <laughs> you don't Big brother, think brother. maybe you and Ryan are pair up, and no, it's the cousins, and they go. <laughs> I'm channeling my inner Ryan. Yeah, it's fast, and I'm doubling down on my inner Sean. Well, because they're both, yeah, they're both older brothers. So welcome to my level. Damn. <laughs> and then you've got um, Becky as the bard, and then you've mm-hmm. got Bradley. Who's has he been on this as well? He has, hasn't yes, he? He Bradley's has been, on this. been on this. Bradley's yeah. been on this. Pot she, you see, I, I needed to come on this because I needed you, to, you needed the you full set. The last, the last holdout. Yeah. 
<laughs> the last bastion. Well, there you go. Some and, people have um, been sat at home bored during, uh, during the pandemic, <laughs> and some people have had a lot to do. So sorry. Yeah. So I'm going um, to try and run both these and try and not confuse people. So to find any information about Blood and Song, you will find that on all socials at Blood and Song or Blood Song Party. And then for anything Slash Dupe related, that's we've got everything under Slash Dupe. And that's Instagram, that's Facebook, we've got a Facebook page, we've got Twitter, we've got a Patreon, and we also have a Reddit community, so start getting your ideas into that. And also, smash that notification button on the new Spotify mm-hmm. um, apps on your phones. You can be Both notified when new episodes have just come out, yeah. and, uh, and for Blood and Song as well, so you can get those directly into your ear holes. Um, perfect for just anything nowadays, because you can't really say commutes anymore. For walking around the house, doing laps of the house. Slash Dupe goes out uh, now every two weeks as per usual after the new year. And Blood and Song, uh, you can find it um, at YouTube and Twitch at 8pm on a Monday, every Monday. And then it follows on. The the episode is then cut up into bite-sized chunks by Dan very handily. um, And uh, that goes out in little bite-sized chunks throughout the week. So if that's how you prefer to listen to these sorts of things, you can do that. And then then it culminates. Every two weeks, it culminates in a slash dupe. So we've just obviously we've just... if if you're a listener of Slash Dupe, you're used to long haul marathons of podcasts anyway. <laughs> so you know, might as well just catch up straight on the Twitch. Jump on Twitch, chat with us. We chat at the break, so uh, so jump on with us, um, and uh, we'll 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 see you there. We'll, we'll see you here. So it just leads me to say thank you to all of you for being here today. I really, you're all real good sports. Um, I know we've got to carve time out during. Um, during sort of the lead up to Christmas and now it's after Christmas um, we'll probably be exactly the same for for a while um, but I really appreciate it so Christine thank you for being here today thanks for having me it's been great <laughs> yes yeah, it has been it's been fantastic and your idea goes through to the 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 heat at the end of this uh, this Woo-hoo! quarter so that's very exciting Ryan thank you for your idea it was amazing uh, being the dupe is not an easy job and I respect it very deeply the the, de- the the depth and breadth of your ideas that you can come up with in such a small span of time um, it's really a, it's really a thing of beauty, and I think people at home are the ones supporting you, even if it doesn't seem like I am. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I guess. And Dan, you I don't I mean some people may know this, some people may not, but you do a lot of the behind the scenes work. You do a lot of the producing alongside me. You do a lot of the editing. Um, you you uh, it, it's not easy work to make it sound as as good as it does. You would think it is. It, when I listen to it back, I think, wow, that's, you know, um, this. How, how easy is this? And then I listen to the finished version versus the, the raw record, and Dan does a hell of a lot of work. He's a really experienced um, audio engineer. Is it audio engineer, you call it? Is that the... Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> audio champion. Whatever you want to just, just make it sound better than it is. No, but, Dan, I mean, you put a lot of the hard work in, and it's quite, yeah, it's quite bitty, and it takes a lot of time. And I know, you know, you've got your family and everything as well. So I really appreciate the time you, you spend um, doing this. Thanks, Sean. I, think I mean, it's a pleasure to hear all of our voices over and over again <laughs> until the night, just telling me to stand still. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, and thank you, thank you, Sean, for hosting. Uh, everybody, stay safe and remember to stand still and smell the roses every so often. That's right, Dan. You can oh. bring that pun in while like you fade out the music. Definitely getting can... edited out. Oh, come on, <laughs> I'm going to start doing that now. I'm going to start adding. I'm going to start turning each episode into a pun that we can close out on. So I'll say that one more time.
I think you should. I think when he says, "I'll say that one more time," just stat, then you should cut. Then just cut it. That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> Editing. Recorded in the Capo Studios, twenty twenty one. What's up, danger?